Lord God, may you bless us by your word, by your spirit. Let us hear you, even in the times we wish we could shut you out, Lord. Thank you. Amen. Howdy. So, a uh, little bit, I uh, wanted to make sure, am I, am I okay? Am I getting too much feedback? I'm, I'm sorry, my microphone keeps coming up to my eye for some reason, I don't know. Yeah, I'm trying my best over here. Um, I wanted to talk with you a little bit about um, just some things that I'd experienced back when I was living outside of Texas. I know it's hard to believe, but there are actually other places outside of Texas. <sighs> I know, I know, I know. There are these little, little pockets of other, other places. Um, but, you know, once upon a time, I was actually spending a, a few years uh, living out in, uh, in California. Um, this is, of course, uh, before God apparently is going to zap it and throw it into the ocean, or as most Texans seem to think that they belong in the Dante's Inferno. Um, but with it, though, is that there, being in California, I discovered a lot about, about my faith and about what it meant to reach out to different people. And one of the things that, that we discovered was that there was a family that was at our church, and I, I may have mentioned them before. They were from the Roma, okay? They were of the tribes that we oftentimes call the gypsies. And uh, with that is that the matriarch of the family had joined the church, and with her came the family. Now, what was interesting, though, is that it wasn't just that they were there, but also that they brought us into their family, especially myself and, and the other pastor, and it was always interesting because they would laugh about and talk about the stereotypes, you know, with the, with the gypsies and everything. But uh, because I decided that I wanted to have fun with it, while I was uh, hugging one of them at one point, I reached behind and I grabbed a cell phone and I hid it for the next five minutes while they frantically searched for it. So from then on, I became the pastor who stole from the gypsies. It was wonderful, it was so good. And uh, to this day, we're still, we're still friends. And uh, one of the things with it is that they would have you over for a meal. And it was this way of them saying, you're a part of us. And uh, granted, their meals were always cooked in so much grease and fat. My cholesterol level took years to come back down again. But with it though, is in eating those meals, it was a chance of saying we are we're together in this. We're a part of each other. Which was always fascinating because you would know that the people that were there at that meal might come from all sorts of backgrounds. You know, this person over here might have discussed repainting a car and then selling it to somebody and saying it was brand new. Or the matriarch talked about years about making her fortune by telling fortunes. And that there would be oftentimes so many ways in which many of them would bring in a friend of the family who may or may not have sold herself on the streets for many years. The thing is, is that each of these people coming from different places, and yet together in one meal, there was this male, middle-class white guy who was sitting and having a meal with people who were oftentimes treated as less than. And that really ended up putting into context this idea of where Matthew was coming from, being a tax collector. The thing is, is that being a tax collector wasn't necessarily the same as what we might think of today. 
See, this isn't like an accountant making sure that, you know, all of your, you know, uh, 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 your balance sheets balance and making sure that all your, uh, you know, your numbers sum up uh, double and all that stuff. I didn't become an accountant. That, that just, you know, would drive me nuts. But with it, though, is a tax collector back then could potentially be someone who would buy your debt from the Roman government and then be charging you over time and making extra money themselves. I'm, I'm sure no one ever does that in today's world. Or it might have been someone who said, you owe money, but instead of telling you that you owe the amount that the Roman government said, they with their Roman guard next to them would come up and say, no, you owe this much. And even though it was more than what you actually owed, who's going to disagree when the guard is standing right next to you? And these tax collectors oftentimes did very, very well. So because of this, there is Jesus coming to a tax collector's home. And the people are wondering, what are you doing here? And, and I find it interesting. Uh, uh, Linda Kelly's been uh, on me for the last two years. You need to watch The Chosen. You need to watch The Chosen. You need to watch The Chosen. I'm like, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. I finally saw the first four episodes, so I'm working on it. I'm working on it. I'm getting there. Um, but I find it interesting because the Matthew character in there, they show him as being like having no friends at all, but I find it interesting that in the gospel passage, it shows all these other tax collectors and people that are there. So however it was that he got to know them, they know that it's a safe place to be with Jesus sitting there. But it's also describing the other people around them as sinners. Now, why would they use that term, such a broad general term? Did the Pharisees think that they themselves were not sinners? That's not actually what the Pharisees thought. The Pharisees acknowledged and knew that they had sinned, that they knew that they needed the grace of God. It's just that the Pharisees oftentimes saw themselves as, in a sense, beyond certain types of sins. But it also wasn't trying to say, oh, no, these are like the worst of the worst and the murderers and the rioters and the people that will steal everything from you. But rather, is the term sinner it's referring to this idea of you're doing things we'd never imagine ourselves doing. It's this idea, you're the ones that are really outside of anything that we can understand. You are falling prey to things we would never do. This idea of what it is to be a sinner is oftentimes something that we can find ourselves falling into as well. And b back when I was in, in, in college, and I was, it was my junior year, and I had this, uh, th this best friend, and, and she and I would hang out like at different times and all, and we were like the best of friends for like two years. And then some guy came along. And it was just like, it was clear from the beginning why he was there. He never came to church with us beforehand, but all of a sudden she's there, and he's like, oh, sure, I'd love to join the band. Oh, sure, I'd love to come and, 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 and read scripture. Oh, I'd love to volunteer for these different things. I'm just standing there like, you're just trying to date my friend. What in the world are you doing? And, you know, I mean, yeah, they got married later on, had three kids. I guess they lived happily ever after, whatever. But at the same time, the realizing later down the line that the whole reason why I even went to a Lutheran church in the first place was because of a previous girlfriend. And isn't that funny is that you can have these emotions and these feelings not even looking and seeing the fact that you do the same thing. And how often is that when we treat other people? 
because we oftentimes have the, the whataboutism. We oftentimes have this thing of when somebody can see something about us, about us or the people that we like, and instead of dealing with it or facing it, is instead, but what about? And figuring out that, well, as long as we just point out what somebody else has done, yeah, you can look at me, you can say all that you want. I don't actually have an answer for you, but I don't care because I'm just going to point at everybody else. And that's the thing that we oftentimes find here is when Jesus is with his disciples, how many of those religious leaders were coming to that dinner with their own problems, but instead wanted to focus on how dare you sit with this guy and his group of sinners? See, a lot of times is that when we hear this phrase of, I have not come for those who are healthy, but a physician is needed by those who are sick. The thing is, is that oftentimes we are not willing to face up to that until everything's falling apart. See, on, um, on Friday, I, I went to go see a doctor. Now, I say that, and immediately some of you are probably thinking, oh, no, what's wrong with Pastor Jason? You know, besides the usual. Yeah, I know, right? But the thing was, is that I just went to see the doctor. The thing is, is that I, turns out I'm actually doing pretty well. Yeah, I know, right? I'm pretty happy about it. Ah, yay, all right. Pastor Jason's not dying. That's good. Okay. Um, huzzah. Well, but with that is also realizing, though, that in going is also because I realized that I could have something wrong. The thing is, is that we go not just because everything's falling apart but also because we know that there could be things that we don't even see in ourselves uh, a friend of mine I, I saw him a few months ago and i was like oh why are you coming down to houston oh i need to go to the to the see the doctor i'm like why because i have stage four prostate cancer and he's two years older than me and you realize things like this where we don't always realize what's going on in ourselves and so oftentimes coming to the physician is not because we think we have it all together, but rather is saying, you know what, maybe I don't. And that's what's interesting about when it says that Abraham is a man of faith. Because this isn't about saying, I believe these things I'm supposed to believe. I've got the Apostles' Creed figured out, and I'm, I've said that I'm a Christian and I'm good with that. But belief is something deeper than that. It is something that changes the way that we look at everything. See, a lot of times people don't realize that Abraham, you know, Father Abraham had many sons. Do, do. And Father Abraham, exactly. I am one of them and so are you. Well, turns out, Father Abraham started out as a pagan. He was in a pagan community, a pagan nation worshiped pagan gods, until one day, all he can do is see through the lens of faith that the world doesn't belong to all those idols, that the world belongs to God, and that this same God is willing to say, I'm going to covenant with you. So if you see yourself surrounded by altars and a world that says you're going to have to do all these things that betray 
you and what you believe, can you stay there? That's the thing about Abraham, is that he left everything. Keep in mind, this is not somebody from Dallas moving to Houston because, well, who would want to live in Dallas anyway? But it's, it's not saying, let me just get on apartments.com or, you know, some Jeff Goldblum commercial or something and figure out where I'm going to live, get a job, you know, just make sure I've got a LinkedIn profile. This is at a time when leaving your home and your family and your people means you could be going out into the middle of nothing and die. You don't know where the water is. You don't know who could attack you in the middle of nowhere. You have no idea what's going to happen. And yet, Abraham, by faith, saw his world and knew, I can't do this anymore. But when the Pharisees saw the people that were there, did they see fellow human beings who needed the grace of God? Their faith wasn't in the grace of God. It was in hoping that somehow they were better and didn't need it in the same way. And that's the thing that we see in regard to faith in our passage. The thing is, is that the way that we see the world around us is a reflection of our faith. We were uh, uh, having a, 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 a comment on Friday uh, that, that, you know, someone's going to start up a YouTube channel. And the question is, what's it going to be about? And the answer was, I don't know, but I'm going to start up a YouTube video. Why? Because what is it that all the kids are looking for? Social influencers. What are they good at? Absolutely nothing. But that's the thing is that in our world, all we're looking for is someone who influences us, not necessarily what are they influencing us for. Or if we go even further, and we're looking at, at the world around us, and if we were then say, okay, here's the group of people that are different from me, and this is how they're stupid, and I'm going to make sure that you see how they're foolish, and then that way you don't see my own foolishness. Or, don't you dare tell my kiddos what to do. Because anything to do with my family or my circle, we're okay. You don't need to deal with us. We've got it figured out. My family's off limits. And then, of course, we keep wondering why it is that the next generations seem to have so many problems. The thing is, is that our faith is also the way that we see what is happening around us and also what we see as the response to it. See, with this is that in Hosea, the reference that they are making whenever they speak about wanting mercy instead of sacrifice. You see, the thing is, is that oftentimes what we're doing is trying to figure out what can we sacrifice to make ourselves feel better instead of asking how do we need mercy because we aren't better. How is it that we can sacrifice something or someone or somehow and just somehow make ourselves feel better instead of knowing that we need mercy even as our world around us does too? And you see, that's the place that we find Jesus in our passage. Is that Jesus is willing to say, I see exactly what the Father has given me. 
not people who are going to be damned for all of eternity, but rather another person who needs God's grace. Is that what you see when you see the world around you? Do you see people who are just waiting to know of God's grace? The people that you come across, when you see them, do you just believe them to be some other people that aren't really yours to deal with? Or do you see this is a person God has put in my life right now that he wants to show mercy to? When we as a community here at the church, when we talk about what are the things that we do to live out our faith, do you see just extra stuff that we're expecting of you? More that you have to sign up for? Or do you see the opportunity to grow in your faith, in connecting with one another, in learning, in growing, in serving, in helping? When you see what is around you, do you see it through the lens of what Christ has given us? See, that's the thing that we have this morning. This morning, we have the meal of who Christ is. The one who sacrificed himself for you. Because when Jesus is on that cross and he's looking out, he doesn't see a bunch of people that, man, this is really getting me frustrated that they're treating me this way. Instead, he sees the ones he loves. And that's also what he sees when he sees you. I don't know what it is that may be plaguing you at this time. I don't know what it is that makes you feel like a tax collector, or I don't know what it is that makes you feel like someone who wishes you could deflect to somebody else. But I do know that those are things that do not take us from the love of God. So as we go forth, not just in worship, but into this week, what I have for you is this question. By faith, what do you see? What do you see in yourselves? What do you see in the world? But also, what do you see as your future in it? Do you actually believe that what you do makes a difference? Because according to God, it does. And I invite you to live into that. Not waiting for somebody to point out to you how you're flawed, but rather pointing out to you that you are saved by the great physician, just like the rest of us. Thank you for being a part of this. Amen.